Welcome to the Art of Mathematics. I'm Carol Jacoby, and joining us today once again is Jeannie Lazzarini, who's a mathematics educator, and she teaches art and mathematics. Is that the name of the class? Actually, I'm sort of semi-retired, but I do a lot of coordination with other people on teaching students and adults how to incorporate math into their fields and what they do. Well, welcome to the show, Jeannie. I'm thrilled to be here again. Thank you so very much, Carol. And what I wanted to talk to you about today is tessellations, which I think is really interesting for this program because it's kind of math and kind of art. And you had mentioned Roger Penrose, who's a scientist, and M.C. Escher, who's an artist. They're both doing these tessellations, which are really interesting. So could you talk to us about that? I have this one quote I definitely would love to start with, with M.C. Escher. He was a Dutch graphic artist, and he drew the most absurd-looking drawings uh, that captured your imagination and made things look totally physically impossible, but they they were just illusions. Very, very interesting. And he incorporated a lot of mathematics into what he was doing without knowing it, because he doesn't come from that kind of background. So here's a quote from him that I just love that refers a lot to some of his abstract kind of looking drawings and it's here we go it says only those who attempt the absurd will achieve the impossible i think it's in my basement let me go upstairs and check oh wow (laughs) that says it all it does (laughs) i love that and by the way i i should have mentioned Jeannie gave me some pictures and i've included them on the website the art of mathematics podcast Com. So if you'd like to take a look at that and see some of the pictures that she's been talking about, they're on the website. That's really helpful because with tessellations, with an art form, format that we're using, it helps to see visually what I'm talking about. So those will be very helpful. So what is a tessellation? Let's start with that. Tessellation is sometimes called a tiling. And it's a covering of a surface, usually an Euclidean plane, using one or more geometric shapes, which are called tiles, with no overlaps or gaps or spaces. And a tessellation is either said to be periodic or non-periodic, sometimes called aperiodic. But I'll get into that a little bit later with more detail. But actually, from patterned wallpaper to decorative mosaics, Snake skins, fish scales, the tiles on our kitchen and bathroom floors. I know people have seen tessellations all their lives. The bees, honeycombs, and more. They're really all around us. So is it art or is it math? That's a good question because I think it's a little of both. Because you use maths. There are certain movements you use of the pieces to create a tessellation, like rotations. We'll get into this more later. Translations, reflections. There's names of shapes. There's angles axial radiology and all this stuff, symmetry of different events like that led to different discoveries in geometry later on. We'll see that with Penrose tiling. There's also, though, a lot of elements of art. There's line, there's shape, there's styling, there's texture, there's movement, there's illusion, there's ornamentation. So there's really a combination that really works well, I think, with tessellations. And to me, tessellations are one of the most fascinating arts of all when it comes to combining math and art or figurative tiling. It's, to me, very magical to see how these things connect 
and create a illusion, but also create this mathematical properties that are good, just interesting to study. And that lead to other discoveries in science and nature. So there's a lot of really connections here. That's why I love them so much. Tessellations were also used for measuring distances and perimeters and so forth, just by counting the number of tiles you have. So there's a lot of different uses for them. Uh, but by far, the works of the Dutch graphic artist M.C. Escher, he was born in 1898 and passed away in 1972. And the mathematician Sir Roger Penrose, who was born in 1931, he's still alive, brought widespread attention to the concept of how this form of, of art and math merged, much more popularized it, and actually met each other in 1954 and became very good friends. In his lifetime, Escher made over 450 lithographs, woodcuts, engravings, and over 2,000 drawings and etchings. Background was not in math. It was in graphic arts. Friendship between the two of these men, Escher and Penrose, happened because they both were interested in each other's work. So we will talk more about that in a minute. So Escher is famous for his pictures of periodic tilings with shapes that resemble living things. So he was different. He created irregular interlocking tile shapes like animals and other objects, which really caught the attention of popular artists. As a young man, M.C. Escher was very much inspired after taking a trip to Spain and a part of Italy, where he was obsessed by the old architecture. It was actually, it's beautiful. I've been to both places myself. And one building that fascinated him more than ever, which also fascinated me, fascinated me more than ever, is the Alhambra in Granada, Spain. It was full of Moorish tiles and patterns and all geometric because the Islamic culture does not allow you to depict anything that's natural or God-made. So it's all geometric and that seemed to continue in infinitely patterns. So that fascinated him and that was his impetus to study further into that direction. Later, when he met, M.C. Escher met Sir Roger Penrose, he really got into the mathematical knowledge of all these things. One of the quotes that I love also from M.C. Escher says, although I am absolutely innocent of training or knowledge in the exact sciences, I often seem to have more in common with mathematicians than my fellow artists. Sir Roger Penrose and his father created some illusions as well at that time. Penrose is fascinated with Escher's work. And he created something called the Penrose Stairs Illusion, which is a seemingly cyclic stairwell that if somebody walks in either direction, they'll end up where they started. The continuous staircase, it was called, was first presented in an article that Sir Roger and his father Lionel wrote in 1959 based on something called the Triangle of Penrose, which was also, you'll have an illustration to show of that. And what was really fascinating is after discovering the Penrose staircase, the following year, M.C. Escher made his famous lithograph called Ascending and Descending, which takes that concept and puts it into an artist artistic format. And it's fascinating. You watch these people going up and down the stairs like they're never, they're never going to end. They're either going up or down or down or up. And it just, it's just mind-boggling. And then the year after that, he also created another print called Waterfall, which is very famous. And again, the idea of how things move and translate became fantasized 
physically impossible visual projections of the mathematics that were involved. I had the honor of meeting Sir Roger Penrose years ago. He's an English mathematical physicist from the University of Oxford. He's really well known in his work of cosmology and the general theory of relativity, known especially for his work on singularities and uh, such as black holes. He won in 2020 the Nobel Prize in physics. So he's quite an interesting man. He discovered three types, though, of non-periodic tilings, tessellations, in the 1970s. He's not the leading one in discovering this, but he's, they're certainly popular, so they're named after him. We'll get into more of what his tilings are all about in a second. I was thinking maybe it'd be good to get into the mathematics of tessellation a little bit now so you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about a tessellation. Yeah, that would be great because I think of it mostly in terms of art. Yes. And I'm really interested, and I think the audience here is interested in, well, what does this have to do with math? Oh, great. There are three different types of transformations, which we call movements of tiles that you can do on a flat surface. One's called a rotation. You could take a tile and rotate it about a certain point and move its position. Another is a reflection. So if you took a tile and you had an imaginary uh, line in, in the middle of it, then the next one, you would flip the tile over on the next side of that line. That would be called reflection or flip. And the other is translation, which is like a glide or a a sliding position. There's also some movements called dilations or resizing, which people use as well. So you just take the same shape and just resize it. So it's proportionally the same, but just a bigger or smaller size. So you can do combinations as well. Also, another thing to understand about those transformations, there's different types of repeating patterns. One's called periodic tiling. Special kinds I'll get into soon are called regular tilings and irregular tilings or semi-regular tilings. Regular tilings with regular polygonal shapes tile everything in the same shape across the plane. Semi-regular tilings with regular tiles of more than one shape and with every corner identically arranged are known as semi-regular tilings. Patterns formed by periodic tilings can be categorized now into 17 what we call wallpaper groupings. So anyway, it sounds really complicated at first, but you look at it, there are four types of tessellations that have been studied. The three types are periodic, okay? So the three types involve either regular, semi-regular, or wallpaper. Tilings. There are only three kinds of regular tessellations where all the sides and all the angles are equal in measurement. Those are made out of equilateral triangles. So you could tile a whole floor using equilateral triangles, the same pattern over and over again, or squares. A lot of people have seen those all over, or regular hexagons like in honeycombs. Those all tile together, self tessellate. All three of them are called isogonal. They have equal edges and monohedral, where all the tiles are the same shape, meaning every tile in the tessellation is congruent to a fixed subset of the plane. So there are only three different types of polygons? Right, regular polygons that tile the plane, yes. You can't do, you can't do a tiling with, say, a, a pentagon. No, and actually the reason why is when those those tiles come together, 
you need to fill all gaps and spaces and have no overlaps. Well, with pentagons, when you think about them coming together, they will come together in a uh, pattern where there is a slight gap. So their inner angles do not add up to 360 degrees. So it's impossible to tile those together. But we'll see more about pentagons in a minute, which are very fascinating. So basically, there's three rules. Uh, the tessellation must tile the floor and go on forever and ever with no overlaps or gaps. The tiles must be regular polygons, all of the same same type, and each vertex must look the same. Okay, the interior angles meet together at 360 degrees. Those were regular tessellations. There are eight semi-regular tessellations where the internal angle of these shapes add up to 360 degrees where you can combine those particular shapes together. So I have some pictures that I gave you that show, for instance, you can combine together a whole floor using triangles and squares, octagons and squares, dohecahedrons and triangles, and so forth. There There are several of those that you can look at. So those are also regular tessellations, but they're using different shapes together that tessellate together. Irregular tessellations can be made from other shapes, such as pentagons and any other kind of geometric shapes, but they have to be combined with other shapes in order to tessellate, like we said with the pentagon, because there's a space. Wallpaper tessellations, or they're also known as tilings with translational symmetry in two directions, cover the whole plane by repeating a motif indefinitely. They keep the drawing on change. It's like my wallpaper on my wall. Okay, I've got this historic wallpaper from Bradbury Bradbury wallpapers, and it's very detailed, but the pattern can continue forever and ever because it's set up that way as a wallpaper tiling. There are 17 known wallpaper tilings, so I have a picture of that as well to share. And there's many, many places online. If you just Google it, you'll find all kinds of information about them as well. It's been claimed that all 17 of these groups of wallpaper patterns are represented in the Alhambra Palace at Granada, Spain, which is pretty amazing. Okay, so examples of periodic tilings I also have, like turtle shells, you look at that, honeycombs, raspberries, quilts, fish scales, the art of M.C. Escher tessellations are just a few examples, Uh, snakeskins, pineapple shells, tile floors. Also interesting, most kaleidoscopes use a triangular mirror system. If the angles, all the angles in the triangle are evenly dis- divisible by 180 into 180, the image you see will be a tessellation. There is also what we call aperiodic tiles, non-periodic tilings. It's a tessellation which has no translational symmetry. It lacks a repeating pattern. Escher's freeform prints, which are called Mosaic 1 and Mosaic 2, are good examples of non-periodic tessellations. Sir Roger Penrose found things that are non-periodic incorporate properties of the golden ratio, too, which are very fascinating. We'll get into some more examples of that. For decades, mathematicians believed that non-repeating tiling could not exist in nature. There was a Harvard University doctoral candidate, Robert Berger, who for the first time constructed a set of approximately 20,000, believe this, 426 different shapes in 1964. The mathematicians started to wonder, can you get the number down a little more? So a few years later, Berger himself came up with a set of 104 tiles, 
But then Sir Roger Penrose (laughs) successfully reduced the number to two by a bit more cutting and pasting. The mathematician John Conray was responsible for naming his two shapes, kites and darts. Both of these shapes involve the golden ratio, a.k.a. the golden section. A kite has opposite angles and adjacent sides that are equal, equal in length, and a dart is concave, a concave kite. So with just these two shapes, the kite and the dart, Yes. You can lay it out without the pattern ever repeating and, and completely tile. I highly recommend reading, too. There's a book by Martin Gardner from 1988 called Penrose Tiles to Trapdoor's Ciphers. It really gets into the meat of a lot of the stuff. It's really very interesting. So the kite and dart pair of tiles that Penrose used in his search for tiles have what's called five-fold symmetry, and they tile the plane. Okay, so these tiles are created by partitioning a particular rhombus, which is like a parallelogram, in the manner depicted in a figure I gave you that shows half of it's yellow, half of it's pink, showing you the kite and the dart fitting together. But if you look at the sides and you compare the angles and the the different locations, you'll find that the rhombus or parallelogram shows properties of the golden ratio in its sides, side lengths. Penrose found there are only seven ways to arrange carts and dites around a vertex, and only two have perfect pentagonal symmetry. And it turns out that the irrational behavior of the golden number, the golden ratio, provides evidence that the pattern itself cannot happen to be periodic in any way, because if the pattern is periodic, it would be expressed as the ratio of two whole numbers. So this is another proof that you can't have a periodic tiling using those shapes. Regular symmetry of geometric shapes is so incorporated in our brains that no one believed to look beyond that. But it's interesting because there's a special type of symmetry that is impossible in periodic crystals. Most importantly, it has been used to explain the composition of what's called a quasi-crystal. Quasi-crystals represent a whole new state of matter with some properties of crystals and other non-crystalline matter. In simple words, quasi-crystals originate from a 3D analog of Penrose tiles, which is really kind of amazing. Quasi-crystals are materials found in nature that are ordered but not periodic, much like Penrose tiles. Their atoms are arranged in lattices that follow a five-fold symmetry with aperiodic structures rather than the more irregular structures found in the crystal cousins. So I give you an example of one that's called the aluminum manganese alloy. It was founded in 1980. And it was really, it's just interesting to see that what he discovered has had this other implication into reality. What was really, again, interesting is Pendrose thought about uh, using more or less fivefold symmetry. When he arrived at that pattern, he wanted to simplify it. He successfully refined the geometry and got the number down to two tiles kite and a dart pair, or else a thin rhombus and a thick rhombus pair. Hence, Penrose tiling has come back to the mathematical mystery that eluded mathematicians for so long. So this is not just art and fun, it also has some implications to science and other properties that are really fascinating. So that's why I really found that tessellations are just amazing and how these two men met and how they inspired one another to me, it's quite an interesting story in itself. This has been really fascinating talking to you about tessellations. There's so much more to it than I knew. 
there's more and more to say all the time, but there's like actually just exploring on your own is one of the best ways to get into it. So thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. And I'd like to remind the listeners that if you're interested in seeing these pictures Jeannie supplied, they're on the Art of Mathematics podcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have something you'd like to share on the air or a suggestion for a guest for a future show, leave a message at anchor.fm slash the art of mathematics with hyphens or email me at cjacobi at jacobiconsulting.com. And if you'd like to learn how to get answers from data, check out my class at excelfordecisionmakers.com. See you next month. Thanks for listening. 